Welcome back to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. My name is Sean Ferris, and I'm joined by Josh and Luke Youngren. Now, before you guys talk, one of the comments we got from our first episode was that you guys did not introduce yourselves. So first, let's start with Josh. Josh, how are you? I'm great, Sean. Thank you. And I would like to apologize uh, that we didn't introduce ourselves immediately. Normally, when Luke and I are on a podcast together, which we don't do very much anymore, but we do make that clear, and I did mean to make that clear, and then I didn't even get to it, because I think we were just so excited about you know about, so the, about the new podcast and everything. But yes, I am Josh. Yeah, I'm Luke. Luke Younger in here. So these are our voices. You know, we made a whole thing about determining and, and trying to discern which of us, who was who, and then we didn't even tell you guys. So, yeah, I'm Luke. I'm Josh. And that's Sean. And he's not a triplet. Is, there is no. no triplet. People ask us all the time. It's a joke, but there isn't some. There isn't another. There isn't a hidden triplet. Yeah, there's not one. Yeah. No, I, I'm quite a bit shorter, younger, and better looking. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we record our first episode, and then you guys split for Chicago. So how was Chicago? And then I believe you guys went to Milwaukee as well. So how was your little vacation? It was great. It was great. We uh, Thanks for asking, Sean. Yeah, thanks for asking, Sean. Uh, we have a bunch of friends. We went to school in Wisconsin, close to Milwaukee, while well, in Appleton, Wisconsin. And uh, a lot of friends were from Chicago, so we have a bunch of friends in Chicago and some friends in Milwaukee. So we try to take a trip down there to to see them every year or a couple years or so. So we haven't been able to take, we really haven't taken a trip in a long time. So that was great time, you know, kind of got to unplug. And, uh, you know, we've just been, we've been working so hard and we just needed a little bit of break. Yeah, it was a great time. And then to follow, we, we did go up uh, because we went to school in, in uh, Wisconsin. We still have a, a few friends in the Milwaukee area and uh, in Appleton, although, um, they weren't out of town, but we did swing through our old uh, our old uh, college just to walk around and just you know see if anything had changed and not much had. Uh, but it was a really nice trip. Uh, you ever been to Chicago, Sean? I've never left the Eastern Time Zone. Oh my which god, that's is why right. I always make sure to remind you that it's the Superior Time Zone. Well, I know, and even when you were uh, you were supposed to come to Columbus and had that m- major disaster with your flight right wasn't that what it was yeah american airlines not going with them again unless they sponsor the podcast yeah um yeah my flight it was like the only it was a pretty mild 2019 20 winter and it was like the only time there was storms there my connecting flight initially was supposed to be through charlotte and there was a tornado so i got redirected to philly and then there was a snowstorm on the east coast and i did not pull a mica in drive my way um to columbus through a blizzard so yes yeah, you I didn't want out. it enough i didn't want it enough yeah no. you did, but he was presenting i was in presenting i guess that's true that's true yeah when and then micah uh in case anyone is not aware we're talking about micah blake mccurdy the great uh creator of uh, uh hockey viz ineffective math on twitter um but he had this grand entrance like at one o'clock or something because it was everybody was this whisper about and and of course if anyone is not Remember, we're talking about the uh, Columbus uh, Hockey Analytics Conference from, I think it was February 2020. It was basically a month before COVID shut everything down. Uh, that was, I think, I believe it was sponsored or hosted by the Blue Jackets. It was in their um, arena, which I'm not remembering the name of right now. Uh, I don't know. It's a arena. nationwide arena. That's it. Yeah. Huge yeah. shout out to our friend Allison also, yes. who's big on, uh, she's a big part of setting that up with the uh, Blue Jackets and kind of connecting the communities. And she did a, uh, 
fantastic job. She had a a um, a presentation herself, and she just did a fantastic job that weekend. So great job by her. I believe they're they are um, looking to do it again. I know there's some talk around the league of actually trying to get this, whether it's in Columbus or in different places, to kind of try to make this uh, an annual thing. So it'd be really cool if that grew out because you know the big conference around the league is the Sloan Sports Analytics Conference in Boston, which, don't get me wrong, I enjoy because I can just go down and hang out with everybody. I'm only about 100 miles, 160 kilometers from Boston. Um, but it would be nice to have a hockey-centric uh, conference that's uh, hosted by a club every year. I think that would be really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, also the Sloan is fairly uh, – I it's expensive. Um, it's extremely so, expensive. It is yeah. not hockey centric. So there's no. very little hockey. So yeah, there I, there's been some like uh, BMAC, Brian McDonald, one of the uh, hockey stats greats. Uh, currently, yes. Well, no, ESPN? he left. ESPN? No, he's, he's back with Carnegie. Now, he's he? with Carnegie Mellon. I think he's yeah, he's a professor now. Um, yep. But uh, one of the you know he uh, for anyone who doesn't know he he kind of um, developed the uh, how one might make a. Uh, wrap them or regularized adjusted plus minus model in hockey he took the ideas from basketball and wrote several white papers and i think he presented on it at sloan um or his I apm believe model. he did yeah yeah, yeah his, Any, anyway, his second yeah. paper on it was presented at sloan but a lot of that stuff is hard to find sometimes it kind of gets taken down the urls change so a lot of that stuff you have to go in the wayback machine or whatever to find it but um yeah it's uh we've never been to sloan it was extremely expensive and on top of getting air travel and you know having to travel you know we're in minneapolis everything else happens on the east coast or in vancouver or whatever so yeah. we always have to you know i think there was something at stevens point wisconsin that we didn't go to i think michael went to that conference but yeah anyway anyway enough about that yeah so to to, to finish off that thank you sean for asking we had a yes. nice vacation we were <laughs> uh pretty much missing for the last week plus um but we are back uh we hit the ground running again today got some work done on some uh, uh, interesting uh, new features that we're planning for the site, so we're excited to, to uh, you know keep going on those. Yeah, looking forward to see them up on the site. And speaking of hard work, a bit of hard work that we didn't really touch on in the last podcast was the expansion article. And I know Josh really took the front on this, but we don't want to act like Luke wasn't involved at all. But Josh, <laughs> hey, I, I did all the graphics on that article, no, you, so he didn't do any of it. <laughs> What the expansion drive? I made that table. That table yeah, was pretty good. Yeah, you the made tables did look good. They did. Yeah, but you made some of the tables. I made those in R. Excuse you. So I didn't make those in Excel. I made those in R. So that Luke, was a Luke big. Was, that was an achievement of mine. Luke was very proud of that. That we uh, anyway. Yeah. So give him give him some props for that. Even though most of uh, that doesn't mean anything for really a lot of people listening. Just know that Luke is proud that he made those tables in R. Yeah. I know you're moving on from the Excel days. You still have the Excel blocks as the twitter head yes um but josh worked hard on on this expansion draft article and he went through the whole practice of drafting an expansion seattle team he tried to have mock protection lists then when the protection list came out he did an update and it was a really good job or he did a really good job he used the guard projections and then Seattle came out and made absolutely no deals, which I thought was just going to destroy the whole practice of doing it in the first place, and then kind of took some off-the-board picks. So kind of curious, what do you think Seattle did well? What did you think they did poorly? Kind of what's your overall reaction to the expansion draft? 
Yeah, well, I guess I'll I'll start. Um, I don't want it was I I wrote a lot of the articles, but Luke helped quite a bit. Although it was funny, I when I was doing no, this, I didn't really do that much work. Josh no, did most of it. Yeah, I don't know. Right, just get to answer the question, okay, Josh. I'll, no, yeah, I'll answer the question. Uh, so yeah, like Sean said, I did um try to do kind of a whole mock thing where I came up. I asked a bunch of people for. Um, their advice on who would be protected ahead of like the actual release of the protected list. Um, and I thought that I guess just my general opinion of Seattle's draft was very uh, it's it. I think the word that really sticks with me is kind of just like a head head scratching decisions, I think. Um, but that doesn't really I, I don't I don't mean to, that to mean I don't mean that to be like a they were bad. I, I think they picked quite a few like slam dunk players. Like I guess we can kind of just go into this. Um in terms of just the the players that I think uh, like that were pretty clear like number you know picks that they should have taken I think they did I, I think like they took um, Jordan Eberle was a really great pick uh, I thought uh, let me just and I'm just looking at my who Vince I initially Dunn, projected yeah so so long Eberle, been an evolving hockey favorite yes. yeah Eberle uh, Vince Dunn um, no I th- idea why Blues didn't protect Dunn I still yeah. do not understand that at all. But that's another so yeah another I think conversation. Um, Yanni Gord I think was another one that was that was an absolute slam dunk in their uh, their pick I thought um, they I didn't think that this, he was gonna be available but McCann was another one that kind of I mean that's is a whole thing with Toronto right Yeah, how but, does this affect the Leafs I would like yes. to point out once I said the protection list that I told you that they were gonna protect eight skaters, they're gonna protect the their four core forwards, and then they're gonna protect their top four, Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Justin Hole, and Jake Muzzin. And you said, no, it's gonna be seven, <laughs> three, and one. And you also blamed Dom Lushishan, who then I texted him. He fault. was like, no. He said he, he told you what was gonna happen. But yeah, I would also I- like to defend Kyle on this. I thought it was a that's smarter move. Kyle, 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 you're calling Dubis Kyle. I call. Like I'm gonna. He's your best friend. So that's another thing. That's another Number thing. Number one, my friend Judy. We know my friend Judy. I call everybody when I can by their first names. Oh, um, but Kyle, I gotta defend Kyle on this. It was a smart move. Just to he basically spent a seventh and like a C to B level prospect to protect the entire roster. And when we got to free agency, which talked about free agency last episode. We saw in the, like the market for especially right-handed defensemen is just nuts. Even like Cody Cece going for like three and a half, and holes locked in at at two million. So gotta yeah, defend Kyle I, I'm, there. I, I gotta stop you there, Sean. I can't let yeah. I can't. I I don't know how how you could think that the McCann, the way that they traded for McCann and then just let him go to protect but a I worse player. You're it's like a it's like a variable change thing though. Like they didn't have yeah. McCann in the first place, and I also don't think the gap. Looking back on it, I don't think the gap between McCann and Kerfoot is as big as people make it out to be. I think last year he had quite a, I don't want to say lucky year, but like, you know, essentially a lot of things went in his favor last year to make him have the success on our numbers that he did. And while I think the peak with McCann is much higher because he's more offensively gifted than a Kerfoot, I mean, a Kerfoot is... Eh, you know, he's an all right third line center. So, I mean, they just yeah. protected the roster by doing that. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't want to continue arguing with you because I don't want to focus on the Leafs too much here because this is everything that I guess Sean. But wants that's to what do. drives the views. This, that's yeah, what drives, drives the, the yeah drives the listens. Is people get to talk about the, you know is when I guess we should maybe just say hashtag what is the the the, the Twitter hashtag for the Leafs? How does what? this affect the Leafs? No, 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 no. Like the team tag, we should put what? that on our when hashtag we announce, you know. Leafs forever. Yeah, yeah Leafs forever. That's right. Yeah, there or is it TML? I I can't no, remember. Leafs forever. Leafs forever. You can use both. Yeah, I like Not forever because they're, they're forever right. chasing for the, a cup. For for the record, I I don't really agree with Sean here, but we're gonna cut this conversation up because we we only have so much time we can allot to cut, talking about the Leafs anyway. So, anyway, I mean, are Jack, there certain oh. what what would be the one thing out of Seattle that you would have redone? Um, well, I thought I thought personally, like Troy Stetcher, like there were just some like really valuable, cheap defensemen that Seattle I thought could have taken and then flipped like i it, it seemed to me i think it's been it's been a couple months now so i'm not josh might have this up but i remember nick jensen being one from washington i know they took uh didn't they take a goalie from washington yeah yeah, yeah. And, and then they sent him right back because they signed yeah Bauer. <laughs> and so it's it just that was kind of odd because they had there were some really um i thought valuable defensemen that weren't making a lot of money so we we projected or josh did but troy stetcher nick jensen um and like did they take they didn't take colin miller did they no although no. He, he was i think goss was the other one oh that... and goss so i think there were a lot of good like really good defensemen like when josh did our expansion draft article we had a lot of our the like the defenseman core that they had was very solid. Yeah. Right. And I I get that they're a lot of them were older. And right. I think Goss's Bear is one that you should take the context that basically he was waived, no team took him. Clearly no team really wants him. So there's not really any value theoretically. Yeah. Like if they drafted him, they're probably not gonna be able to flip him. So they would have to play him. Even though we our projections are very high on Goss's Bear. Yeah, we had, I think we had, Philly is not most Philly fans are like, well why? You know, I think there's some who are lifelong Goss, you know, ghost ghost fans who are like He's that he's my guy kind of thing. Um, I understand there's some additional context, although our projections still really like Goss's Bear. But he, I don't think. But yeah, to 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 go to what you're saying, I think the like Stetcher, um, I think uh, uh, and Jensen were the two that I think were just kind of left alone that didn't get touched. When to me, it seemed like they had um, Seattle had a lot of opportunity there to at the very least take them and then flip them down the line or maybe have a stronger core and like yeah. none of them they weren't making too much money but I think. also it's also possible that like we because we're using like kind of our more proprietary advanced metrics like gar or xgar that we're overvaluing those players compared to the market um so maybe that's not possible that they could have actually flipped these players to other teams if they're just looking at point totals and time on ice. I don't. I don't really know what some of you know some of the other teams are looking at, but I. I thought that they kind of they kind of took some chances on some just really unknown players. Um, like just um, I'm trying to think who who were at the time because they've they've moved on from a couple. But the like, boy what? boy Cali was a good pick. I was gonna say he's kind of like a out there, but he's he's decent. But uh, was it? Twersky so, or something? Ooh, yeah, he's got like a weird Polish I, name out of yeah. uh, Philly. Yeah. I, I actually took um, – it was – so just to – I guess to finish on my initial point was I think that they – to give them credit, they took 
probably five to maybe seven players that were absolute slam dunks that were really good players. And I think you kind of have to give them credit because they could have passed on some very good players um, and they didn't. Uh, but the flip side, what you're saying, I think after the right, it was maybe a couple days after I had a tweet that was kind of the biggest, our biggest off board picks that from our based on our projection. And the number one, I think, was um, I think it's Curtis McDermott out of LA, who very uncertain player. I mean, this is he's not based on our stuff and our projections, not, doesn't have a lot of played a lot of time in the time he has played has not been good. And I will say LA doesn't didn't have a lot of other really great options so I don't necessarily think you kind of have to take that into account was like who were their other options from LA I, I don't I don't I didn't when I was doing the expansion article there weren't a lot of great players from from LA anyway but they took kind of like maybe the worst available player from LA I felt like <laughs> um and then after that I think I, I don't know I I don't even know really who this player is like this is going to become a theme of Luke and I not really knowing players especially oh, yeah. Bruins affiliated players but Lauzon La- La- Lauzon La- I don't know Lauzon yeah However you say that was the second most off the board pick from Boston. And when we when well, we mispronounce names, we're not it's no. that means no disrespect. Yeah. You, had, just, you had Richie, right, who yeah. uh, we won't go there, but I mean the Bruins let him go to yeah. Toronto. They didn't qualify him at all. They didn't want yeah. him back. Uh, yeah. Kasha was another one. Yes. And again, I think these well no no, you had them pick that them yes yeah it was between those two it was i'm just saying based on like the this is more of a off board meaning like the furthest away from the best player available from a team so like our we didn't have the projections very high and then the third one was i think yeah Cho again Cho, cholowski i think or Cho, like from detroit oh, was the third yeah. one yeah that's what you again, mentioned the, the yeah. eastern european names i had no yes shot. and then Torinsky from philly was another Torinsky. Really, that's it yeah yep he was, those were, and then Lynn and Quinville, what about Quinville for Chicago? Uh, oh, yeah. Get on yeah. your feet for, yeah. is it John Quinville? Is that the yeah. nephew? I think we didn't son? actually have, I don't, I don't know how much time he's played in the NHL. I, I think when we looked at projections, it was like, I don't think he's played any. Has he? I don't think, I don't, I don't actually no, know. Has. I mean, I'd have to look that up. I don't even but think I, he's an NHL. Yeah, let, me, so. let, me, let me go over to evolvinghockey.com, check our player page. Yeah, he's got four seasons. He's played. Uh, five hundred and five total minutes and no. forty-two games. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. In four in four seasons. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's that's like something where we were kind of talking about this, just Josh and I. That it seems like, from what if I had to guess, it seems like each department of the Kraken kind of got their picks. So they got like the uh, prospect people got a third of the picks, and like their you know player development team. And then the coaches got a third of the picks. And then there may be like front office, you know, analytics, statistics people got, you know, shout out to the statistics, you know, analytics department. <laughs> shout, out yeah, <laughs> shout, shout out Corsicas. to the analytics. Yeah, shout out to the analytics. Yeah, shout out to Corsi, you know. Yeah, and, and um, <laughs> that's kind of what it seemed like was that like there was some, you know, like, I mean, Vince Dunn has always been like a stats analytics like all star. Like he's, I mean, he keeps coming up in our metrics as one of the best defensemen in the NHL, kind of. But like, it's the same criticism as like he's like a third pair defenseman. And oh well, how can he have so much? You know, how can his rates be so good? Like oh, if you put him on a first line, he wouldn't perform that well. It's like, I mean, that's not what our metrics are trying to say. It's not trying to say like. He's a third line D putting up top tier war or gar numbers. So move him to the first line or first pair. Like that's not what our metrics are ever trying to say. It's trying to say the way that he's been deployed 
we, based on our metrics, he's performing very well in that role. So that doesn't really mean like if you're taking Vince Dunn, you might just keep him as a third pair D and de- try to deploy him in the same kind of type of situation that he was used with the Blues. And, you know, if that's what he thrives in, it's kind of the, you know, it's like the whole Nachushkin thing over, you know, where... Always every, comes back to Nachushkin. Always, always comes back, comes back but to it's like, You know, it's people were like criticizing people. And I'm going to get on a little tangent here, but people kind of criticize us because when we do our Selkie rankings, it's like, oh, I don't think a third line forward or fourth line forward should win the Selkie. Like they don't play against top competition enough. They don't play enough minutes. But it's like, well, if they're put in a role and they're doing better than any other player in the league, I don't know why that person shouldn't win the Selkie. That's just my opinion. And I don't know why you have to take anything away from a third line, fourth line forward who is doing excellent work defensively. And, oh, well, they don't get to win the Selkie because they didn't play as much time as Barkov. And it's like, I don't know. I disagree with you. So that's just my tangent of the of the day. <laughs> Luke going on with the tangents. Yeah, I don't know. But I, I guess to, 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 to finally, I guess, put a uh, like the a last kind of— yeah, yeah, bowing out on the expansion draft is I think that overall, um, I wouldn't be surprised if Seattle is a good team next year. Um, I think one of their things that is definitely to their benefit is their the, the Pacific, at least for right now, seems like they're maybe the, they're easily the weakest division, I, I think. And I, I don't think it is out of the realm of possibility to um, see, like, you know, the Kraken third in the division or something, given, I mean, who else is there? Like, I, I don't know who is, who they're, like, and they're going to be playing against those teams. I mean, the Coyotes going to even have you know I mean I don't I don't want to rag on the Coyotes and we that's another thing we could cover because but yes I don't I, but I don't know the ramifications of the Coyotes yeah. but it's you know yeah. th- there's a lot going on there anyway and so then, yeah. I, I didn't want to get off topic so I think the Kraken made um they I think they should be uh I don't know praised whatever the word you want to use for the, picking a good you know handful more than a handful of the players that they absolutely should have picked um I don't in really, our opinion in our opinion. I think they picked they they kind of took some uh they're they're kind of betting on some younger players. Um it also seemed like I guess the thing we haven't even gotten to yet um is their approach to free agency and essentially just in the expansion they they took a ton of players that were cheap and they had a ton of money to spend in free agency and then they did spend a bunch of money in free agency, which I don't know Sean if you have kind of thoughts on that. I don't quite know in terms of like organizational kind of uh building or structural like kind of looking towards the future like what they could if they just like were bad i i kind of thought they might just maybe play who they had and and try to um you know maybe tank almost but i don't know if they're set up in a way so i don't really know i was kind of curious sean on your opinions on like what they could have done differently than signing like grubauer for instance and spending a bunch of money in free agency which i saw kind of going around on twitter a lot of people criticizing them for well i guess here's here's my two cents and i'll have two thoughts on it my first is that after the Vegas expansion draft, I think everybody, I remember our hockey graphs um, or hockey graph slacks specifically. And I think I was the highest on Vegas, to be honest with you, in our hockey graphs mm-hmm. slack. Like everybody was racking on, on Vegas that the team was trash. And just somehow it kind of came, you know, some players came out of nowhere, William Carlson especially. And I mean, I think they they did a much worse job at their expansion draft than Seattle, but there was a lot of cards that just kind of you know fell in their favor, and you know so who's to say that maybe that doesn't happen to Seattle, especially with the flat cap, and I think they've been somewhat responsible so far. 
it's not like they went out and they had like this huge like binge spend at free agency. I do think that the Grubauer signing is a little bit confusing for me because yeah, when you commit to a goalie long term, not that you shouldn't to someone like Grubauer, but generally speaking, I think you should feel that you have a team that's ready to win now. To me, that's a signal that they think that they're ready to win now if they're going to commit to Grubauer now because you have the most certainty of what he might be like and goalies are really uncertain to begin with but maybe over the next two to three years and then the tail end of that contract you really don't know um so it's like to me they're signaling that they think they could win now so maybe we're you know missing something here that will appear as we sit as we record this right now i would like to point out that neither quinn hughes nor Elias Pettersson has signed with the Vancouver Canucks. Maybe they put themselves in a position to actually offer sheet. Uh, I don't. Can you offer sheet this late? I think you can, right? I think so. I so think I and, and I was just. I think that's a really good point. That I. I don't know. I mean, we're Luke and I are team offer sheet all the way. I mean, it never happens. I think it. I think in most of the situations, it's, it's really not. Especially for the players that a lot of people want to get offer sheeted, like EP or. Um, you know, like that's when, Elias Pettersson. Yeah, by the way. EP. yeah instead of instead yeah, of yeah. using their first names, not he Kyle. uses acronyms. <laughs> Elias, yeah, <laughs> abbreviations. Sorry. I, I I think actually the opportunities are more realistic or or maybe a better idea for players who are not going to be paid like what uh what because Pettersson would probably require the four first rounds, right? I mean, like or something like that. Isn't that what it is? I'm assuming unless well, they. Yeah, I'd have to go look at the actual. It depends what that. what might be able to get Pedersen out of Vancouver, maybe. Yeah. And I know that Vancouver also has kind of a bunch of salary cap issues, but just right now, if you just look at what Cap Friendly has as their projected cap hit, I mean, they're at seventy two point two five million, right? The the Kraken are now they're they're I mean, right in the middle of the league in terms of cap space. There's still a bunch of RFA's unsigned for other teams, so they might, you know, the Kraken might fall if they don't sign anybody else. But that I mean, that's plenty of space to sign to you know go after a potential um, you know RFA right now, and I don't even know it might not even be an offer sheet. They might be looking for a trade. Um, I think they do have some extra players that um, you know maybe they could they could rep- swap in or replace some young players. That maybe they could package to in addition to something. But I think that that kind of is a, another option that um, I, I would be very curious to see if Seattle does explore. But even still, like what you said is like. I think it's kind of a it's a bit of a strong bet I think for them to just immediately say we're winning and we're going to be as good as Vegas. Yeah, the and, Grubauer signing was um, well, you know, pretty most long goalie contracts they never really work out very well. Like you know, if you're just going on averages, most long goalie contracts the player's going to pretty much uh, fall off after the first. Ha, have I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Is there ever what, been Grubauer is? Has there ever been a goalie contract that was six years or more for a 29, 30 year old like Grubauer? I don't know, that... Lundqvist maybe. I don't know what Lund- Lund- Lundqvist was signed, but Grubauer is twenty nine. Yeah, and he just signed for six years. So, based on every model I've done with goalie performance, after about thirty four years old, goalies just start to drop. Like on average, if you're looking at kind of an overall curve of ages. Like at, like even more than skaters, goalies drop off. So that was a very like I think I completely agree with you, Sean. Is that was a kind of an odd signing, and it does kind of symbolize or it kind of is a little bit of a um, indication that they feel confident they can win right now. Um, I don't know if he had a no trade clause on that. 
Uh, he does. Yeah, first three years, full no trade. Through last three, modified no trade clause. So, uh, and then player submits a ten team no trade. Yeah, from so that's cap from cap friendly. So yeah, I mean, giving a a twenty nine year old goalie a six year contract with a full no move for the first three years is, you know, that's uh that's intense. Um, <laughs> not uh kind of odd considering where they were at and the fact that they could have tried out some younger goalies potentially. And with the conclusion of our Seattle Kraken conversation, we're going to have a quick break to hear from our sponsors. The Evolving Hockey Podcast is brought to you by EvolvingHockey.com, your home for advanced NHL statistics on the web. When you become a subscriber to EvolvingHockey.com, you gain access to such evaluation tools as NHL Goals Above Replacement, Regularized Adjusted Plus Minus, Skater Contract Projections, Visualizations, Charts, and much more. Visit Evolving-Hockey.com slash login today to become a subscriber. Welcome back to the Evolving Hockey Podcast. That was a great message from our sponsors. So we had a long conversation about the Seattle Kraken, and now I think I want to move on to, I will take credit for the idea, uh, an underrated part of our website, or an overlooked part of our website, which is the Agreed. similarity calculator. It's my favorite site, part of the site. I think it's also good for the contract um, comparables as well. So Luke, I believe you were the one who really did most of the work for the skater the similarity work. so we can give yeah. you the credit this time yeah luke can you give luke the credit yeah <laughs> can you explain how the skater similarity calculator works yeah so the skater similarity scores on the site can be found under the tools drop down it's just skater similarities page um we have a page on the glossary and i'm just going to kind of quickly just like summarize that because that's about as simple of an explanation as i can give it's it's kind of a it's first of all, it's a very complicated process. It took me a long time to make this because it's just the data is so big when you're comparing. Um, essentially, it starts with taking one player and then comparing them to every other player at the same position. So if it's a forward, you look at all forwards and then within two years, plus or minus of the same age. Um, I thought about doing right handed, left handed shooting, but I, I just did it by within an age range. Um, and essentially it's a weighted Euclidean distance between one player and all other players who are potential comps. Um, and so that's pretty technical. Um, I won't explain how that works, but essentially it's just looking at the difference between the two players in a lot of different metrics. And for doing this, I used our um, GAR, XGAR, and REPM metrics. So it's not a box, there's no box scores involved here. Um, or box score metrics or a relative teammate. Specifically, it's all GAR, XGAR, and RAPM. Um, and then it's the components of those models. So it's looking at how close each component is between two um, skaters. And then it does that for every other skater. And it does that in three-year summed groupings, so three-year stretches for every single skater, um, and then in six-year stretches. Um, I, we chose to do three-year and six-year because doing single seasons is it's an even bigger data set. Um, and we only save the top 50 most similar for each skater and the lowest 50 most similar um, because 
the data would be just really, really big because it's. I think there's like, it, it it would it's just really a very large table that we have to store. So and what what it ends up getting is a similarity score where the lowest the number is, the lower the number is, the more similar they are across all of the metrics that we're comparing. Because um, it's a distance, so the the closer they are together, the lower the number. The further they are apart from another, uh, the higher. And then we take that number and we uh, invert it and we normalize it so it's on a scale from zero to one hundred, um, just for interpretability. So we it's it's a skater, it's a score, a similarity score, um, and yeah. So that's kind of how the skater similarities work. And who are the two most similar skaters in the nhl yeah so i did a quick query you can't actually find this on our website um podcast exclusive yeah podcast exclusive (laughs) content here um but for the three-year group so um i looked at just ending in the 2021 so last season so this is 2018 19 19 20 and then 2021 um summed for the three-year and the most similar, I did a small time on ice cutoff because actually the most similar skaters end up being players who only play like 10 minutes. So <laughs> it'll find like a player who plays 10 minutes and all their numbers are like zero. So they're very, very close. But I, I did a time on ice cutoff for this. So um, for the 18, 19 uh, through 2021 season, um, it's Charlie Coyle is most similar with Evan Rodriguez from the same season grouping. So 18, through 21 and age um, as well yeah. and age so that's charlie coyle as a uh, 26 to 28 year old and evan rodriguez as a 25 to 27 year old um and then the next most similar is uh mason appleton and wayne simmons uh <laughs> are you serious yeah uh it's it's wayne simmons from the eight the 08 through oh. 11 season oh okay so yes. wayne simmons is a 20 to 22 year old and Mason Appleton is a 22 to 24 year old. So those are the two most similar in the three year. Um, Did you have a third so, one? Well, yeah, the third one was um, uh, uh, Yamamoto and uh, Josh Jose. So that's actually, that sounds kind of decent. Yeah, and then in the six year um, summed. So this is the 2015 season through the 2021 season summed. It was um, Colton Sevior and Kyle Brodziak. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then um, actually, Jared McCann and Charlie Coyle, but which is kind of I, I don't know why Charlie Coyle he pops up here all the time. Everybody is so similar to Charlie Coyle. He's the perfect average he's the player. Perfect, really. Well, that's what you said to me. Yeah. So that's what you said to me prior to him being traded to the Bruins. I remember this conversation. I was in, I was at TD Garden. I was on the ninth floor my laptop i just remember the whole situation <laughs> and and you guys being like he's the most average player and then he comes to boston and also congratulations to charlie on getting engaged uh this time last year he didn't know how to use an oven and now he's getting engaged um, so congratulations <laughs> to him goals i know yeah, goals. exactly um but it was quite funny he came to boston he, he found some success the the funny part to me too with the Coyle and Rodriguez, which I noticed right away, is they both played together at BU. Oh, okay. So Rodriguez is a year younger, so Charlie only played two seasons, and actually the second season was a partial season at BU. Rodriguez pay, played the full four years, and so they overlapped for one year, and 
Coyle's last season at BU, you know, I I think I was probably too young to be following the NHL at such depth at this age. But I didn't realize he actually went from BU to the St. John's Sea Dogs in the middle of the season, which I don't think I've ever seen. So if anybody that like follows college hockey or obsesses over college hockey wants to give me the background on that, like at the podcast here or whenever we uh, we tweet this out, I'd love to hear the background on this and how many college players have done that. So I know you guys probably don't aren't up on this with the with the prospect stuff but when you sign to go play juniors in the canadian hockey league you give up your amateur status so you cannot play college hockey again and so that's why it's kind of a choice for certain players and why um, austin matthews chose to just go overseas and play pro instead of doing college and yada yada yeah yeah. um so it's really interesting that they play together and they also have very different perceptions evan rodriguez i think was a player that based on our metrics is kind of like overlooked for quite a few years. And then it's yeah. kind of been like, eh, he's just a depth player. Meanwhile, um, Charlie looks to take over as the second center for the Bruins this year. And he definitely had some success here. He signed a long-term deal. I believe it was, uh, let me look at my cat friendly right now. So it was six years, 31 and a half million which is an average annual value of 5.25 so for an average player he's getting paid quite well with yeah. uh he also full full no move too full no move yeah. he had a really rough <laughs> he had a really rough last year yeah well th- and and just yeah. to not to cut you off sean i don't know if you had if you were done with that statement um don't cut him off josh yeah i'm sorry no i mean you can go on you can go yeah, on I was, yeah I, I i it was funny because um, this is something that we used to look at, and I remember telling you that the coil because for years he was always that way. But the thing in Minnesota, um, and I, it was that I always he always had this reputation like he was kind of part of that young core that was coming up when when the Wild signed Parisian Suter. He was part of with like Granlund and Dumba, and or maybe Dumba was younger, but Zucker, Zucker, Niederreiter, Niederreiter, those young players that were kind of and Halla, I think also was kind of in this. You know, when he was young, he was like this is the core group of players the Wild signed Parisian suitor this is like they're working towards you know to to um to like win now with their young players and now these two you know these really great players they just signed at the time and uh Coyle was always like I mean I think from just like watching him he just he's a big guy he looks really he's really um strong on the puck kind of like when he was younger you can kind of see he's got good yeah he's you can't get the puck off his stick yeah and and but the funny thing was that he always looked like he should be much he always looked like his results should be much better than anything that we ever had like showed up as I think his, and I, I, I want to go and just double check this, but um, I want to say that he never had really like, like even some of those players on the wild, they had really, they had a couple of really, really good seasons and they did end up turning in your turning into kind of that, that core group of, or like the kind of players that you would, that the wild wanted at the time from the young players. But I mean, Coyle just always was very consistently average. He he was probably um, maybe above average for a, like kind of in his young you know when he was younger. But he never had those kind of like in the 15, 16, 16, 17 years when the when the Wild were really good. Um, you know, I, this is debatable. I'm not going to get in the Wild too much, but the Wild were really good. People don't remember this, but <laughs> they, they were good for a couple years back when Andrew uh, Thomas and Alex were there. And I mean, it was just but. Granlin and Niederreiter and Zucker in like 15, 16, 16, 17 had fantastic years and have kind of fallen off where Coyle was always very consistently average or slightly above average. And I think that last year was really much of a, um, I, I think was just kind of a out, weird outlier I season. Think he, I think he was injured 
And yeah. when he was in Minnesota, if I remember correctly, he played more wing than center. Correct? Yeah, they yeah. Tr- they kept trying him at center, but he because ne- the wild for but he's he's yeah. been a center since coming to Boston. Yeah. I think that's probably a better fit for him. And yeah, he'll I, probably play yeah. with Taylor Hall and Craig Smith this year. And, and I think one of it, one of the things was it didn't ever feel like him as a center in the system in the wild, like especially that kind of defensive under Yo um, and under Boudreaux. I think he was there for a couple years with Boudreaux, but he he just never really kind of fit in the system they wanted at even strength. Um, yeah, but anyway, back to yeah. the, oh, well, <laughs> the skater similarity <laughs> yeah. conversation. I did, Josh. Luke. I wanted to add one more thing though. You just, I, you're adding all everything I, no, is getting added. You got the whole thing about, about all this. Though. You got all this praise about how you did this really complicated. <laughs> System, you got this okay. distance thing. You know what? That's enough. Fancy name. Let's, Sean, let's let the host no, talk. No, I, I let was just speak. let me let me just put one last little thing here. It was our guard projections next year have Coil and Rodriguez projected at the exact same guard per sixty? No, they don't. Zero point one. Next year, that's our projection for both of them. Hey, now, I did something right. The, the difference there is that we have Coil somewhere around 1,100 minutes and Rodriguez at 730. So their actual value from a raw GAR standpoint is going to be different, and that's kind of what you see in their components. But they actually have kind of a similar profile overall. So I thought that was interesting, and I'm, I'm just here to help yeah. you know, support the work that you do, Luke, with your skating Thank you, Josh. Yeah. Thank you. And great work on the GAR projections. They, you know. Wow, thank you, bro. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, two very uh, overlooked parts of the site, I think. So go check them out if you're a subscriber. Oh, I wanted to just, just I thought it was funny because my actual b- favorite part about the skater similarities is the least similar players because I think that's really interesting. So just for an example here, who are the least similar players in this same cutoff? And basically it's everyone and Connor McDavid. So it's everyone is least similar to Connor McDavid. That's essentially what. <laughs> so, so it's saying like, that like Connor McDavid's a generational player. Yes, he's wow. he's a freak. Like nobody else is. Hopefully, but the Leafs fans didn't hear the, that. The least similar player is I think. Is this another Bruins player that I? Yeah, it is. You're gonna know. Is it Trent? Is it Frederick or Fred? Trent Frederick. Yeah, he's more dissimilar to everybody. Yeah, no, to McDavid, he's the least similar to any other player in that. Or no. The lowest similarity score of everyone is Trent Frederick and Connor McDavid. That's the lowest. Okay, the two and players them as a are, pair. Yes, the two of them compared. And yeah. the, yes, and then it's, what years it's, were those? That's eighteen, nineteen, and then it's actually both. Uh, it's sixteen through nineteen for McDavid and seventeen through twenty for McDavid, and then the next least sim- most similar. The next. Most least similar <laughs> <laughs> is uh, Connor McDavid and uh, Boyd Gordon, and Connor McDavid and Zach Ronaldo. Yeah, that one. That so, one seems. Yeah, that's kind of like if you want the two ends of the spectrum. That just kind wow, of wow, incredible that. analysis. Yes, uh, that McDavid you. is you know the thank greatest you. player in the world. I know. Wow. Well, I don't uh, know about takes that, a, but okay. Took a lot of work to get that. <laughs> <laughs> Leafs. Leafs. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> well, he'll be not... coming back to he'll be coming to Toronto. Sooner anyway, yeah. So later. The, <laughs> Those are the skater similarities. Check them out. They're uh, available for available for subscribers. Uh, as you heard from our sponsor, uh, you can become a subsi- uh, subscriber at evolvinghockey.com slash login. So maybe one last thing before we wrap up, and hopefully it's like a positive note, but I know people can get tired at the underrated, overrated, so we're going to say overlooked. If you could pick who is the most overlooked forward and defenseman by our metrics or using our our site here who would you who would you pick so first off the bat i i i 
I, I appreciate that you tried to to change up the way that we phrased this talk, but ultimately it's still going to just people are just going to interpret it as a, as overrated, underrated. So we might as well just, you know, uh, but uh, I, I say overlooked. I think when I think about this, I think there are kind of two ways to look at it, which is players who are kind of known, but maybe they're not known as much as they should be. Um, so like real I, and I think this group is more players who are really good. And, and maybe people don't think of them. They know of them. They're maybe kind of high draft picks, but they don't realize quite how good they are. And then I think the other group is players, because I think this is still an under, um, uh, I don't know if it's respected is the word, but it's it's just the, the defensive players, players who are really good defensively, but maybe don't have a lot of other stuff that they add. So I think the first group, the one that, and I'm, I kind of looked at our uh, guard projections again, which we've already mentioned on the podcast, uh, to kind of come up with a couple players that were in that first group. Um, of players that for forwards the number one player I think that jumped out to me and I maybe just because this is my central time zone bias my uh, you know my only kind of following the central and west coast teams um, but I think Jake Gensel is a player uh, that I, I we have him projected as like a top I think he's like top six overall in guard next year which is very high um, I don't hear people talk about him in kind of the same way that they would talk about other players around him. Um, so I think he was one that really jumped out to me. And I think the other one, although, again, I don't – it's not – this isn't like – these aren't overlooked in terms of people don't know who they are. But I think Alex Dabrinkat is another one that's kind of like an almost like superstar type player that doesn't really get the respect. I think po- possibly because – He's playing behind the stars, the old stars of old on the Blackhawks, and um, I, I think it's just something that isn't there. But I think in defensemen uh, in that group, I think uh, Sean will be happy that my uh, my number one pick here was uh, Charlie McAvoy. Let's go. Uh, yeah, even though he's not, he, I guess he's a Bruins fan too. For Matt, when McAvoy's when involved, McAvoy's involved. Chuck, he's yeah. a I call him fan. Chuck. 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 <laughs> <laughs> but I think McAvoy is, is a player that. I know in Boston, people. Oh, well, I don't even know. I, I I feel like in Boston, he's maybe even kind of. Yeah, he's kind of. Well, he's not overlooked here. Yeah. But Chucky yeah. the Stallion's probably a bit underappreciated. Yeah. What like, What was his rank? How 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 in our projection for him next season from Gar? What did you project him to be? Yeah. In terms of and placement. In terms of uh, just overall players, uh, and I should. Um, he had we had him projected among all skaters 15th overall, and he's the second highest projection among defensemen, only behind Kale McCarr um, next year. And then after him, so he is. I know there was a ton of stuff. I think I say this maybe because he's younger, and you know he's been on Boston for a while. And um, I, I think his. I, I don't really know much the reasoning why, but I for whatever reason our stuff has liked him for a long, long time. And those are the two. I, I think the other player is, and this kind of gets into my other group of players. I was thinking about was the defensive players that are really good defensively and maybe sometimes all around, but aren't really considered. And this is kind of gets back to what Luke was talking about a little earlier with kind of the, our, our view of how the Selkie should work. And Selkie is the favorite. It's the best number one. It's the best, best award. Best award. Best in the award. Because uh, it's the most interesting. Um, and I also think it's the hardest to evaluate and also leads to some very good conversation, uh, which can also be a lot of arguing and bickering. But uh, <laughs> the number one player I had there was um, uh, Andrew uh, Maggiapani. Uh, who I think is, and then it was him, and then uh, I think Oliver Bjorkstrand are the two that are, like, I think both of these, these were players who were in our top 50 projections among all skaters next year, um, and I think are somewhat, over, like, those are definitely players who are overlooked outside of maybe their fan bases um, or maybe yeah. outside of analytics uh, people as well. And I guess I'll just throw it out there, although I, I don't necessarily think he qualifies because he did sign a big contract, but I think 
or uh, you know, Yule Eriksson on the Wild is another player that I think is um, even in the Wild fan base don't quite realize how good he potentially is or could be. Um, so that was kind of the, the players I came up with. I'm not sure, uh, Sean or Luke, if you have other ideas on what I just threw out there or if it was way off base in terms of your idea of overlooked. Yeah, Sean. I, I have my thoughts, but, Sean, what were you – What criticize what Josh said right there. No, <laughs> well, <laughs> I wouldn't criticize Josh. I think it's interesting I, – you know, I find these, these things interesting. Those three defensive forwards, because I think they're all kind of – they have different play styles and they're effective at the same things. Like, Mangiapane is – an extremely well he's just really good at anything with transition extremely good forward checker but he's also really diligent on the defensive side of things as well i see like a bjorkstan he's again a forward checker but it's a different style because he's a little bit more physical maybe that's just my own bias there because he's a bigger guy and x kind of like kind of in the middle um and then shout out to charlie mcavoy but those actually did hit on my list the other one I think on, on your first list of like really good, but probably doesn't get enough attention is uh, Nikolai Ehlers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Who he's always like towards the top of all of our stuff. And he's also extremely fun to watch, but he was just um, really just not handed the keys in Winnipeg until this year, really. I mean, he's yeah. just always kind of just, I, I want to say abused by the coaching staff because that's a, a bad word, but bad word to use but like he just hasn't been appreciated maybe given by, the respect a, appreciated by his coaches yeah well yeah. I, that was actually i was just kind of looking at this in a different way which is more just summing our xgar model for defensemen i i like using xgar for defensemen as it's it's a little bit um there's a lot of it's complicated I but mean. Yes, uh, but for defensemen, so I, but I was gonna say Ehlers was is the one that pops out to me um, from I just summed for like the last five years because I think that's a pretty decent like I think there's some players I've always thought of like I think uh, Viznovsky like Lubomir right Viznovsky is like an older player from our stuff that was just fantastic I'd never heard of him but. When I, because I, you know, obviously newer, newer hockey fan, well, relatively newer, brand but new, brand new, brand hockey new hockey fan. fan. But um, uh, Nikolai Ehlers is definitely one. I also think T.J. Oshie just historically, he's just been overshadowed by like you know Ovechkin and Backstrom and John Carlson. But um, well, and then he's kind of he new to the Capitals. Yeah, yeah, he is kind of new to the Capitals. But I think when he was on the Blues, even. Well, um, I guess the last David five years. When did, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. Well, when when did he get traded to the Capitals? Well, I think well, I think for, he got traded for, what, for the eighteen nineteen season. Like he just got traded and won the cup. But when he was yeah. there, like it was like Tarasenko's like peak. Yeah. I think at the time. Yeah. yeah. But I think I think we even had like Oshi in our all decade team for last decade, and people got mad at us. But I'm like, I don't. I think he's really good. He, he's just been very solid for a long time. Um, and that was on the forwards. Yeah. Ehlers and Oshi are the ones that have always, that stick out to me there. And then on the defenseman side, I mean, I, I I'm going to say Jared Spurgeon cause he still doesn't get the respect he does. If anybody, people who follow us on Twitter, they know we constantly are talking about Jared Spurgeon and how he's incredible. And, and he is the captain of the wild now and he got a huge yeah, contract. So maybe he's, maybe he's, know. so maybe he's not as overlooked it, anymore, but that, and then, um, I, I still think. Maybe not Shea Theodore anymore, but uh, yeah. Shea Theodore is just a beast. Um, and I, I kind of think, I mean, just from a standpoint of just value, he just really exploded when he went to Vegas. 
Um, I don't really know. I don't know the context there. Um, if he was maybe he changed roles, if the coaching staff kind of, you know, he, he was just given more opportunities. Well, and, but and he was kind of one. Uh, Sean, you mentioned this earlier with William Carlson and how Vegas got kind of lucky. I'm, I'm pretty sure that, well, I, I feel like Theodore kind of a little kind of came out of a little like he's much better than I think a lot of people thought. Same thing. I mean, a lot of people would maybe not remember this about like Tuck, for instance, on the on Vegas. But when he was taken by the wild, they were happy that they didn't, Vegas. you know, or Vegas. Sorry. Um. I don't think anything in Tuck's profile, other than him just being big, kind of indicated that he was going to be anything. And I mean, he's yeah. Well, he played four <laughs> years at wasn't he at yeah. Boston? Alex Tuck. Who did he play college BC? for? BC. Did he? Did he play there? Yeah, he scored yeah. like a. I think it was the the two thousand. I can't remember which year. Twelve bean pot game winning goal. Yeah, but it was just a big. It was a big goal. Win. At the time, with talk that he didn't transition into the NHL earlier, and it was there was a lot of people like, "Oh, he's not the player that they thought he was when they drafted him." Blah blah blah. And then he went to Vegas, and he's been really solid for them. And I yeah. think, yeah. But those are those were kind of my picks. I think Spurgeon, and I would probably say Petrie too. Jeff Petrie is just another defenseman that I know. He plays for Montreal, and the and the Habs fans that just go, you know, like there. You hear about him a lot from Habs fans, but I don't hear about him a lot from enough from a lot of other fan bases. And I think that Jeff Petrie is another just extremely good defenseman that you that maybe doesn't get quite the respect that he deserves. I think um, for his performance. So those would be kind of my picks. Yeah. He also has red eyes in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, that was nuts. Daunting. Yes. Daunting. So I think we'll end it here. We wanted to shoot for an even shorter episode than this, but I think we can. We have a talent of rambling on. So we'll end it here for now, and hopefully we'll we'll get another podcast to you guys shortly. And eventually, once the season starts, we want to be on a weekly uh, schedule. So don't be afraid to comment which day of the week you'd like us to post our podcasts on, because that would help us tremendously. So Josh and Luke. Thank you for another good episode and the conversation. Glad you're back from Chicago and Milwaukee or Wisconsin. Same thing. Um, I enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. was really fun. I will add also that we are, uh, I believe after the last episode, it we should be on most of the podcast apps or services that um, are available. Uh, if you don't, for whatever reason, see us on one that you do like, let us know, and I can try to get us on there as well. Um, this is kind of new. Uh, sometimes it takes a little bit for our uh, the podcast to register when it's brand new. So um, if you're still not seeing it somewhere that you'd like to listen to, just let us know. Um, if you have any other feedback or anything as well about the podcast or whatnot, feel free to reach out to any all three of us or, or the at Evolving Hockey account um, as well or contact us through our website. Um, but, yeah, thanks so much, John. Yeah, thanks, John. 